What's up, guys? Max here with a brand new episode of the Scuttlebutt Show, and I'm thankful and very happy to be joined today by Army veteran, stand-up comic, actor, all-around Renaissance man, Tom Tran. Tom, how are you doing? Good. Man, that was a good movie, Renaissance Man. <laughs> well, you are you are the definition of this because you have... We just covered you on our show the other day. Uh, I thought it was an awesome story and that you were a very funny guy, and we did a reaction to some of your stand-up there. And, uh, and then I emailed you and now we have you on the show, which is awesome. So if for anybody who's watching, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background? Yeah, I am uh, an army vet, uh, uh, purple heart recipient, uh, army paratrooper. Uh, I was a combo guy in the army, uh, for the civil affairs and psychological operations command, U S army special operations command, and, uh, got shot in Iraq, uh, took a seven, six, two to the back of the noggin, uh, my fourth day in Iraq stayed because i got a, i got a hard head apparently <laughs> came home finished college the world just kind of did what it does to us when we come home from from war and then uh i found stand-up comedy i mean i was i was a musician too i tried doing that first but it turns out i don't like people uh so I <laughs> and comedy was a thing i could do by myself so uh, i mean I, i'm in a band now i'm actually in like six bands <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm surprised we're even doing this here today. Cause when I, when I emailed you and by the way, thanks for even emailing me back when I cold call or cold write people on, on Instagram or whatever, I always wonder what the response is going to be. And you got back to me pretty quickly and you said, Hey, I'd love to chat some time, but I have like seven jobs. <laughs> I was like, oh, I see that you're, bu you're a busy guy. Um, and a lot of that revolves around, uh, up comedy. So what, so I have a, I have a question. I was kind of trying to figure this out the other day on the show. If you don't mind talking about it was what is it when you say you took a round to the head, like what, what actually happened? Did you get hit in the Kevlar? Did it bounce off of a, a wall or like what happened? No. Um, so my fourth day in Iraq, um, uh, there was a team from fifth special forces group in the AO that I was working in and they were like, Hey, we need to show you around the team. Um, so we did a recon. So it was, you know, in ODA recon. So we're wearing ball caps and boonie caps. And uh, at one point, my interpreter said, um, this is a bad place. I'll never forget because I have it on video. Uh, he said, this is a bad place where the headquarters of the Bath Party uh, and the Bath Party being the, the minority controlling party of Iraq that had just been overthrown uh, once we ousted Saddam. And um, no sooner does he say that than rounds start popping off around us. And uh, we literally drove into a gunfight. And um, I was wearing a boonie cap. Now, at the time, I thought, like, I, I got struck in the back of the head with something. At the time, uh, I thought somebody had hit a piece of debris, something ricocheted and hit the back of my head. Uh, then I put on my helmet, because, you know, that's when the army wants you to put your helmet on. <laughs> Um, I, I put my helmet on and then I felt this warm, wet feeling in the back of my neck and I reached back and it was blood. And, uh, I dropped a couple four letter words, uh, bandaged myself up, still thinking it was debris. Somebody hit a piece of a building and it, it whatever. Um, it wasn't until I picked up my boonie cap that there was an entrance hole and an exit hole from a seven, six, two round. And, uh, that's when I went, Oh shit. So I almost died my first mission. Super. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of other shit going on in my head at the time, but 
Yeah, I uh, got shot back of the head. Um, fourth day, first mission outside the wire. Uh, and then we were gonna go back to the to the cache over at uh, Talil Air Base, but we got a call um, that there was another mission that had to get run and we were in the only soft assets in the area. So the ODA captain was like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm awake, I'm talking, I'm, yeah, sure. Let's go, let's do this, Rich. So uh, there was a, something going on at the mayor's office. So we had to go over there and stop that. I mean, there were, we had wounded. <laughs> we had literally walking wounded with us. And um, I mean, I was talking and bullshit. And so he's like, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> from my head thing. So we got over to uh, the the mayor's office where there was some shit going down and go, hey, you stay here. You watch the trucks. I'm like, yeah, good idea. The guy who's bleeding from his skull should probably pull security. <laughs> so probably do anything else. Because you know, we didn't know I was going to pass out. So, uh, yeah. Um, so I got shot on my first mission. We ran another mission and then drove back to Talil Air Base so I could get bandaged up. Holy and, shit. Uh, I, I was the commo guy. So I actually had to call back on the Singars to let them know. I like, I had to call my talk and be like, Hey, we're on our way back. And, uh, I'll never forget the conversation again. Cause I have it on video. Cause I was videotaping the entire time. Why? Cause I'm Asian. And, <laughs> uh, um, I called back to the talk and I'm like, Hey, we're, we're gonna, we're coming back, but we have to go to the hospital. Cause I, I sort of got shot. And my, my RT was like, what do you mean? You sort of got shot. And I'm like, well, I, I kind of got shot in the head and they're like, what? Uh, it was like that deadpan thing. But then like the, the signal dropped out cause we were like 10, 15 clicks away from the base and uh, shitty Singars radios back in 03. And uh, the, the retrans from the hospital picks me up and he's like, Hey, I can hear you. I can hear you basically tell me what's going on and I'll, I'll relay it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I got, I got shot. And he goes, yeah, I heard that part. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got shot in the head. He's like, when are you going to be back? And me being, you know, I wasn't a stand-up comedian, but I was, you know, kind of smart ass. <laughs> I heard uh, Charlie Company from 223's got some donuts. We're going to stop by. They pick some up. <laughs> He's like, no, you come right here, right now. I'm like, yeah, yeah, kidding. So we got back and, uh, you know, all they heard was a soft team went out. Sergeant gets shot in the head. That's all they heard back at the, the combat hospital. So they were expecting a JFK situation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the convoy pulls up, I jump out. My major only heard bits and pieces over this, over the, over the radio. He's just standing there like this. Day one. <laughs> uh, sort of like the whole staff from the hospital runs out again, because all they heard was, you know, gunshot back of the head. And they come out with IVs and stretchers and shit. And the, the colonel goes, where's the guy that got shot? And I'm like, hey, it's me. Hang on a second, sir. I got to do a thing. Pete, Steve, come here. Let me take a picture with you guys because I haven't seen you for a while. So this is a picture of me with a couple of SF buddies with a bandage on my head in front of the combat hospital. Just taking a dumb, big, dumb grin on my face like an hour after I've been shot. Just taking a photo. And then they, uh, you know... They, they took me into the, the combat hospital and the colonel says to my, my colonel, he says, what, what's wrong with him? He goes, ah, that's Sergeant Tran. You'll see him a lot. <laughs> and uh, he says, he, he doesn't seem to be phased from the gunshot. And then my captain goes, oh no, he's been shot before. Um, 
And the cat, the colonel's like, what? And my captain goes, yeah, I used to date a lot of black chicks. So it's not the first time I've taken them out. I was like, like, Ron, that's really politically incorrect to say. I know we're in Iraq, but not cool, but also not untrue. So uh, that was day one. That was my first mission of oh, day four, technically. But uh, it's my first, first mission outside the wire. That's wild. Well, you ha- it seems like you handled yourself pretty well. But, but you know, like we're laughing about it now. So you and by the way, everybody watching, if you have any, have any questions for Tom, drop them in the chat. I'm monitoring the chat so we can uh, ask any questions here while we have him with us um, on this episode. And you but so you don't you finish that deployment. You come back to the U.S. And I want to make sure we kind of get the uh, by the way, you have a show coming up this week uh, at the at the um, the Laugh Factory. Is that right? You want to plug? I want to make sure we don't forget to plug that real quick. Oh. Uh, so my birthday is tomorrow, February 17th. So uh, the Laugh Factory decided that on Thursday, I'm going to do a birthday show. And I say they decided <laughs> because I'm also the director of uh, artist relations for the Laugh Factory. So I'm actually an executive at the Laugh Factory. But um, since the world has started opening up a little bit, comics have been going back out on the road. We're doing virtual shows from the Laugh Factory. with like four 85-inch TVs where we have like 100 people per screen zoom in. So it's oh, like nice. kind of have an audience there. Um, but co- because comics are going back out on the road, it's getting harder to get them to come do this virtual show. So, uh, the vice president of the company who also happens to be my best friend is like, Hey, do you want to do a set? And I was like, not really, but you know, <laughs> do it. So it went from me reluctantly doing a 20 minute set the day after my birthday to, Oh, now it's my birthday show. And now it's like me and my friends. It's like Brad Williams and Shiradu Kana- uh, Onaka and, and Mikey Winfield. So yeah, it's going to be a good show on Thursday. Tickets at, my bad, tickets at laughfactory.com. Awesome. I'm going to try to check it out. I'll try to be there. Um, are, so what is the, so what happened? You go from army to comedy, but how does that, how does that happen? Um, a lot of drinking and credit card debt. Probably. No. <laughs> Definitely the drinking. Yeah. I, I got back uh, and I immediately started college um, like comedy wasn't in the cards. It wasn't a thing that I you know, ever had planned. I was, uh, I had a, I had a career mapped out. I was a radio guy. Uh, I joined the army because of Robin Williams and good morning Vietnam. And um, like I had a friend who was the vice president of MTV who had offered me Whoa. You know, uh, after I finished college, uh, I had kind of been offered a job at Maxim magazine, which was for, for you youngins magazines are these things with paper. <laughs> Them, get them once a month and they send them to us in Iraq and then the EO officer's like you can't have these and then he takes them and then he keeps them in his room because he's a son of a bitch um <laughs> so I got a I, I went back to school to finish my degree because I was in college the entire time I was in the army like it was like a semester in school a semester somewhere else a semester <laughs> in school there's a genocide going on somewhere. Semester back, uh, two semesters. Oh, I'm going to graduate this year. Hey, you got to go to Iraq. So that was literally my college career for eight years. And um, uh, Van after, Wilder you know, type. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I talked them into, I mean, after you get shot in the head, you can pretty much talk command into anything. Um, so I was like, hey, I need to leave early. And by early, it was like, a week early. I was basically advanced party um, redeploying. Uh, I was like, I need to leave early because I need to start college because I need to finish this year so that I can take this job at Maxim and then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, none of that ever happened. Um, I, I got back 
And to finish my degree, I had to take like 22 credit hours, which is insane. But I just fought a war. So, <laughs> but um, I didn't know what was going to happen after I, you know, I finished 22 credit hours after coming home from a 12 month deployment. It was like, I, I had a mission literally every day, 24, seven, four, 18, 19 months. And then I graduated from college and I was like, now I'm not in college anymore. Now I'm not in the army anymore because of the gunshot. Um, and then I did the thing that we all do, you know, the, the drinking and the booze and in the, all that shit. And, um, yep. Uh, got real fat. Uh, actually I'm going to do a, tomorrow's my birthday. So I'm going to do this. I've got this before and after photo of me, like about a year after I had, I'd gotten out of the army where I was like 200 pounds. Damn. Was okay. Not, not sexy. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, every year I get older and every year I'm like, damn, I am in better shape than people half my age. Like my nephew is a, uh, <laughs> my nephew's in college now and uh i used to call him man boobs because he was you know a little bigger kid um but he like he's a he's not a collegiate swimmer now and i'm in better shape than this this little prick of a 20 year old that i love but, <laughs> uh, yeah anyway so I, I graduated um and this is the the not funny part of my story but uh, it's the very real part i had a heart attack um, when i was 26 because uh, I came home, and like I said, I was like 200 pounds. All I did was eat and drink and, you know, boozing away the nightmares and the, the, the voices in my head. And uh, I was dating a girl who was a, a, a dental student, she's a doctor. <clears throat> and uh, she lived down the street from the VA hospital in my hometown. And uh, this one night I was on the couch, and I was like, man, my arm hurts. My chest is tight, and I can't, like, something smells weird. She took my, my, uh, what's it pulse? Called? Pulse. That's it. <laughs> she took my pulse and it was something out of control. She's like, we need to get you to the hospital right now, which was luckily a mile down the street. So we got to the VA and, uh, like I said, I was like 200 pounds. I was not, I was in the worst shape probably my entire life. And, uh, the doctor goes, when was the last time you smiled? Now this was like 2006, 2005, 2006. He's like, when was the last time you smiled? Cause my blood pressure was through the roof. And I was like, I don't know, probably 2002 before the fucking war started. And he goes, well, you're going to have another heart attack. You'll be dead by the time you're 30. If you don't relax. And that's what it was. You know, I just, I just drank. I ate, I was at a case of the ass all the time. You know, I wasn't in the army anymore. I didn't have anything to take the stress out. I wasn't doing PT. Fuck all of that. So uh, I started playing music. I started playing in a band. Um, like I'm friends with the Goo Goo Dolls. And I don't know if for you young kids, the Goo Goo Dolls were a band <laughs> were really big from Buffalo, New York. Uh, I have a song called Iris. Look it up. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I was going to, my dream was always to be a music musician. I mean, I don't know if you can see some of my guitars. Like I have, I think the count is 42 guitars now. Whoa. Okay. Uh, I just bought one of Prince's guitars. Oh, wow. Uh, Holy shit. Look up. One of Prince's guitars. Um, so I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. I mean, this is like, I grew up with this. Hell yeah. So, um, I was in a band for a little while and that didn't work out. Cause like I said, I don't like people. 
or working with them. Oh, my cat. <laughs> I have cats. Uh, and then I found stand-up comedy kind of, you know, it was a thing that I always loved, but it was never a thing I thought I could do. Like, um, like the first stand-up comedy I ever saw was Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Classic. Um, and uh, yeah, very much like Eddie, uh, I was a young black man in Washington, D.C. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I looked up to those guys, but it was never like my favorite comics were Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Like, I didn't know anything about the. I mean, I was a dumb young kid. I mean, I literally saw Delirious when I was seven years old because my parents are terrible at being parents. <laughs> but uh, it was never a thing I thought I could do because in my head I was like, I'm not Jewish or black. <laughs> I, like who was the big Asian comics in the eighties, maybe Margaret show. And that was, you know, um, and I'm neither Korean nor lesbian. The second part's arguable. But, um, so, you know, comedy wasn't a thing that I thought I could do. And then, uh, I, I, I'd taken a class in college once for uh, voice and diction for my radio career. Cause I work on the radio. Um, and I was a radio guy in the army. And then a, a buddy of mine that worked at the radio station uh, with me, he owned a comedy club in, in my hometown. And uh, one day he was like, Hey, I need somebody to host radio night. Um, and it's literally like you get on stage. Hey, I'm Tom from 97 rock. Thanks for coming out tonight. Here are your drink specials. Welcome your first comic. That's like literally all I did. Um, and I did it a few times and he was like feeding me jokes and that felt good. And then I started writing my own jokes and, you know, then I, I was making strangers laugh with just the shit that was coming out of my head. And that became therapy. That became more therapeutic to me than the myriad of doctors that I still see to this day. Um, I have a minimum of two VA appointments a week. You know, um, I have a, a dresser cup top full of medications that I don't take that they send me. <laughs> You know, I tried to take them in the beginning, but nothing has ever helped me deal with life post-combat the way comedy has. Music, maybe, but even with music, it's like, I need to be up in front of people and playing and performing. Um, whereas like with comedy, I can literally write a joke on the toilet and make myself laugh. And I have, <laughs> I wrote a joke one time, so funny, turd dropped out of me. <laughs> I was like, that is the funniest joke I've ever written for no other reason than that. Um, but like I can, you know, I can do comedy by myself um, and then take it to the stage. I can refine it, you know, to my girlfriend or my buddies or whoever, you know, music. Yeah, I can play music by myself. Obviously, I have to in my, in my studio, but uh, comedy is the only thing I've been able to do that is has been thera therapeutic for me like even with music when i play with a band i am required you know it requires my singer and my bassist and my drummer to all be here <laughs> and um with comedy i can literally just like i'll come up with a funny thing while i'm running or while i'm watching tv or taking a dump and you know comedy is always there in the ether you just got to be able to grab it and, and put it into words and put it down so comedy became my thing, man. It became my my therapy, and then somebody took me on the road, and uh, then I got paid. I was like, "Holy shit, I get paid to 
to do this. And then um, I just got better and better. And I moved to LA in 2008 and uh, I was doing radio. I was consulting on some, some movies and video games and shit like that. Worked on like Call of Duty and a couple of movies. And um, then I did this fundraiser for the Bob Hope USO at LAX uh, with the Laugh Factory. Actually, they're you know, the radio station I worked for here. They're, they've got a close relationship with the Laugh Factory and they have a close relationship with the Bob Hope USO. So they were doing this funniest service member competition and I won the first year hell yeah and then i won the third year and they're like you have to stop coming here (laughs) i don't know what their plan was i think what they were looking for was like new guys and girls who had just left the military who now want to be a stand-up comedian they weren't expecting a guy that's been out of the army for at that point uh, five years six years who'd already been doing professional stand-up comedy was on the road and I was going and I was just like murdering the competition. And they're like, you have to stop doing this. So I did. I, I literally had to stop. And um, uh, that night I had met a bunch of other comics, <clears throat> excuse me, that were vets. Um, and I like when I first moved to L.A., one of the first things I wanted to do was go back downrange and perform like Bob Hope, because there's nobody there's there hasn't been somebody like Bob Hope since Bob Hope. There have been people who've gone to perform for soldiers and service members, but there hasn't been like a name in military entertainment like there was with Bob Hope. So I created a group called the GIs of Comedy and we're all vets. Um, two of us, two of us are still in. Actually, my my roommate is a Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force and he is like a, he's been doing comedy almost as long as I have. <clears throat> he's actually on duty right now. And, uh, yeah it sucks um, <laughs> but it's great it's great when the pentagon calls us to go on tours because uh, somebody asked me one time they're like how how come you're always doing these uso and armed forces entertainment tours i'm like because he's a lieutenant colonel he's a master sergeant he's retired i'm retired they don't have to check security clearances on us like we all have security clearances like i'm I'm still a DOD contractor. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll have a classification. So it's not like my buddies at the comedy store. They're like, hey, can we go get the three high guys that are smoking pot on Sunset Boulevard? Can we get <laughs> them to travel down range? No, let's get Tom and the Lieutenant Colonel and the Master Sergeant who all have clearances. Anyway, so I created the group back in 2010. I want to say 2010. Let me see. I just broke it up with Rachel. I, my entire career is based on who I just broken up with. <laughs> broken up with Rachel. So yeah, 2010, uh, I had to crawl out of the bottle and do something with my life. And that's when I created the group. And we have toured 20, I want to say 23 countries and 40 something states now. Shot a TV special. Um, did a bunch of TV. Like we are on Netflix last year. Um, I did a thing on the History Channel this year. Uh, I'm in a couple of museums. None of it matters because there's a SEAL who's Korean and he's a doctor and a, <laughs> and a fucking SEAL. And no matter how many museums I'm in, my dad doesn't give a shit because this guy is a doctor and an astronaut. <laughs> so, did he ruin so. it for every other Asian American service member? Hey, Johnny Kim, I hope you're listening. Fuck you. And you're <laughs> 
uh, ruined it for all of us. Like I literally called my dad. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in a zombie movie. Like this is when uh, I, I booked a zombie movie last year. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in a zombie movie. He's like, cool. Do you know who Johnny Kim is? Maybe you should look at CNN right now. I was like, this motherfucker right here. Got a, became a doctor and he became an astronaut. I'm like, fuck him and his perfect hair. That's so funny. <laughs> What so the GIs of comedy is so you're so I, I want to just recap a couple of things that you just said for people who who can go watch you now uh, in the future. So you, I mean you're on YouTube, uh, you are you were in the was it the Larry Charles Dangerous World of Comedy special on Netflix? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he did a docu series about uh, comedy all over the world, and there's an episode I think it's episode three where it's it's called the Warriors and it's literally it's like vets. Um, from different it's not just the the u.s military they're like there were guys in like the nigerian army and the somalian army who are doing stand-up comedy now sorry just got some cat butt there uh, <laughs> yeah he uh he didn't call me I mean, but his producer called and asked if we would do it and um yeah we, we did his netflix thing larry and i are, are buddies now you know the uh, i don't know if anybody if you don't know who larry charles is he directed borat uh, yeah. Uh, yep. Wrote and directed a bunch of episodes of Seinfeld. Like he's got Seinfeld money. He doesn't have Larry David Seinfeld money, but he has he has Seinfeld money. Um, but he's he's done a lot of uh, comedy stuff in Hollywood. He's kind of a kind of a legend out here. You uh, you're known for. In addition to that, you're known for your performances at the Laugh Factory. So you have one of those tomorrow. Uh, LaughFactory.com for those. You were. Uh, a character in Call of Duty, and I remember when that happened a couple years ago. I actually didn't put it together that it was you until uh, after I had done the um, r- the story I did on you a couple days ago. That you were you played this character in Call of Duty, and what was what was that all about? I played all the characters in Call of Duty. I am <laughs> all. The- <laughs> it's uh, probably one of the most racist things I've ever done in my life. Um, I, when I first moved to LA, I, I, I worked for a consulting firm um, because I moved out here in 2008, and I was one of the one of the few OIF OEF guys with actual combat experience to move out to LA. It's 2008. I mean, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a goddamn seal with three deployments out here. And how do you know? Because it will fucking tell you. And um, so I was one of the first guys out here. <laughs> Uh, from oh yeah, I mean there were some some Vietnam guys, there were some even you know Korean Cold War guys out here in Hollywood, and this thing that s- surprises a lot of people because you get the whole California's this liberal blah 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 state. The number of veterans in the entertainment industry is fucking staggering. It is <laughs> staggering. Like we have an entire community um, called Veterans in Media and Entertainment (VME), and it's thousands of vets doing who are writers actors directors grips like the gamut anyway so um and that's only in recent years but like i said i moved out in 2008 i was one of the few oef oif guys with combat experience so i was consulting on video games tv shows movies i was working for a consulting firm and um i think the, the story goes our costumer was picking out costumes for Terminator Salvation. Yeah, okay. that's it. We were working on Terminator Salvation. 
So he was picking out costumes at a place called Western Costumes, which is a place over here. Um, and uh, he's, he's a big military historian. And there was another guy in there who was looking for military garb for a project. <clears throat> Didn't say what it was. So my buddy being my buddy, he helped out, you know, helped this guy kind of find period accurate stuff for this project. And that project that turned out to be Call of Duty, Modern Warfare. Um, so we helped them with that kind of, they have a, a program called the Call of Duty Endowment where they help, uh, they help veterans coming back find work in the entertainment field. Oh, I didn't and, know about that. Yeah, through Activision and donate a bunch of money and et cetera, et cetera. So we helped them with the Call of Duty Endowment project. And then they came to us and they're like, we're doing a new video game. Um, we want your help, but we can't tell you what it is. We're like, all right, cool. It's money. It's, it's work. It turns out it's Call of Duty Black Ops. <clears throat> so I wound up being uh, a consultant on the game, uh, weapons and costume consultant. Um, and then... <laughs> One of the art guys came to me one day and he goes, hey, you're Vietnamese, right? I'm like, yeah, man, it's only been six months. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm Vietnamese. Um, he goes, do you want to be in the video game? I was like, are you drunk? What kind of question is that? Of course I want to be in the video game. So they scanned my face. Uh, they scanned a bunch. Actually, most of the characters in the, in the game are friends of mine. Uh, those are all real faces. They got scanned into the video game. I don't know if you remember that commercial um, where it was, uh, it was two of the video game characters singing the Scorpions Winds of Change um, across the Berlin Wall. That was my boss and my buddy Joe who were singing to each other. If you look at it, it's on YouTube, I'm sure. It's like Call of Duty Black Ops Scorpions Winds of Change. Just look that up. But those two characters are friends of mine. One was my former boss. Um, so they scanned my face and I thought it was going to be one character. I thought it was going to be like one avatar in the game. Turns out these racist motherfuckers made me every <laughs> Vietnamese guy in the video game. They just changed my face a little. Like I got a mustache in one, my hair's a little longer in the other one. Like, but it's my nose. It's my nose on every character. It's because I they modeled all the uniforms on me. Literally, like all all the uniforms in the video game there i have the photos of you know the modeling shots of me like standing there with an ak and rpg and in the fucking rubber tire flip-flops and shorts like i have all those photos um so they modeled me and and so i guess uh i guess the decision was made well he's already wearing the clothes let's just make him all of the guys and you really can't tell but you know what you can fucking tell you can tell <laughs> because i'm a playable character i'm several playable characters and if you look it's my face. It's super racist. Like, well, let me see. Let me show you. Well, that's me in the commercial holding the shotgun. And then there's me. Uh, hold on. There's me uh, on the cover art that we did for, uh, I mean, obviously for the artwork. But yeah, so we did that. So I was in the... Uh, in the video game and then they came to us and like hey we're shooting this commercial do you want to help consult on the commercial too so the company consulted on the commercial and that's the one with kobe bryant and oh uh, yeah and jimmy kimmel and um who we call burger jesus the guy at the end 
dressed in an in and out costume and he's just got two guns akimbo. Yep. But uh, we, we consulted on that and I was in that commercial. And um, it's funny because like uh, in the in the commercial, like if you remember, Kobe Bryant's got a it's got a 203 that says Mamba on it. Um, and then Kimmel's got a RPG that says Noob on it. And I'm holding a shotgun that says SSG Trans, Staff Sergeant Tran, which was my gamer tag for whatever gaming system I was using at the time, I'm sure. Uh, but at the time, I was a nobody. And um, the weird thing was when this commercial came out, the internet being the internet was like, who is this Staff Sergeant Tran that was like between Kimmel and, and Kobe? And at the time, if you type in Staff Sergeant Tran into Google, you get the memorial for a sergeant that was killed in Afghanistan. So everybody thought it was this nice little Easter egg nod to this soldier who'd been killed in Afghanistan. And one of my buddies who's an instructor down at the Ranger School at Fort Benning, he calls me up. He's a gamer. He goes, hey, did you know you died in Afghanistan in 2006? <laughs> I'm like, say what now? Excuse me? He's like, yeah, yeah. You should, you should not go on the internet today. So of course I did. It was just like pages of yeah activision was like memorializing this this soldier was killed in afghanistan and i my my agent was like you need to fix this I'm like i don't fucking i like i'm a nerd but i don't want to argue with other nerds like he's like no you got it so i had to go like on a video game forums and be like no it's actually like that's that's not right i'm the guy and people were trying to motherfuck me like i was like stolen valor bullshit they're like it's bullshit and you're like trying to take this guy's like if you beat the game, my name is in the fucking credits of the game. And if you go to my IMDP page, it actually lists me for called. I'm like, guys, I, I'm not on a stolen valley. This dude's fucking. And when that came out, man, my friend requests on the Xbox or the PlayStation, just like people are like, we're going to fucking shoot the guy that's in the video game. My game on the thing. So I was getting like, Army bases were calling me up and they were like, hey, can you come play video games with our soldiers? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Activision is paying me to play video games. So yeah, I'll drive to Fort Irwin and play Call of Duty with some soldiers. So yeah, that's and then uh, I made uh, an obnoxious amount of money on that. So I kind of <laughs> got out of, got out of, uh, out of acting, um, you know, full time. And I, I wasn't consulting as much, uh, but I made enough money to, to start doing what I came out here to do, which was stand-up comedy. Um, you know, and I mean, now I have seven jobs, but that's just because I, I don't know, I hate myself a little. <laughs> I don't know. I do a lot of shit. It's, it's probably good to keep busy. That's interesting about the Call of Duty thing. So a couple people in the chat were saying how they played a lot of Black Ops on deployment downrange, and now you guys know they've put a face to the, a, a face to the face and a name to the face of uh, every character in Black Ops. Let yeah, me... there was this. There's this wave. There's this one level where um, you're defending <laughs> a, a base, and there's just wave after wave of me crook over the hill. And it's like an Asian Braveheart, just like coming over the hill. And I remember we were beta testing the game, and I went out at lunch, and I come back. And from my boss's office, I hear "fuck you, Tran," and like I'm like, "Hey, you know that's just an avatar, right?" If you got some shit to say to me, you can say it. I just went, okay, here's your fucking in and out. And like, they're stabbing me. 
I've played the game and I've shot me with me <laughs> using a sniper rifle, which is very, it's very meta considering how my ended, my army career ended. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I, I did that for a while and then we worked on a bunch of the other video games. Uh, you know, I'm sure. We'll, yeah, I think we're still working on those. I don't work for the company anymore. I, I left the company many years ago, but uh, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure they're still working on the games. Um, I mean, I, I made enough money where it's like, I'm just going to go do stand up um, full time, which it turns out you can't do in LA because you get paid $25 a spot and uh, my rent or my mortgage is far more than that. So uh, I started going back out on the road. I think, yeah, it's crazy how, you know, tough it is to make a lot of money doing stand up. Now, so let me ask you this. How, how are you doing on time? Um, probably got like five or 10 minutes. Okay. Let me, let me ask you, uh, uh, a couple of questions I always like to ask when I have guests on the show, which by the way, everyone is loving. Uh, everyone thinks you're so funny, uh, in the chat and are letting me know that they're dying over there. Um, you're, his, you're hysterical. That's hilarious. Uh, those call of duty stories, especially, uh, factory.com. I'm live Thursday night, 7 PM. I'll, I'm going to try to be there. Uh, I think I'll be able to be there at uh, tuning in. I should say, um, what's the dream? I always ask people on the show, like, what's the dream? What is, what, what is your, what is your, like, everything comes together, perfect world. What are you doing? You know, somebody just asked me that the other day. <laughs> the dream is to be left the fuck alone. Jeez, <laughs> oh, um, I'm ruining it. I ruin- <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I mean, like, this is how I, like, people always ask me. They're like, it's like, I, I'm a relatively, I'm a nobody. Like I have friends who are like, I got a buddy who's on three Netflix shows right now. I got another friend who's got, she's got a movie and comedy specials. I'm relatively unknown in the comedy world. <clears throat> I own a house. I just bought a Tesla in cash and I have 43 guitars and one of them was owned by Prince. And my neighbors <laughs> don't know what I do. Like genuinely <laughs> have no idea who I am. And I am fucking cool with it. Like, I think my, I think the neighbor kid knows who I am now because like when they, uh, when they pick up the trash cans, they put them like the garbage guys, they put them down right in front of the gate in my driveway. So like when I come home, I got to stop the car and then move the fucking cans. Kid come running out of the house the other day out of nowhere to move my trash cans. I'm like, God damn it. Did he see me on TV? (laughs) Um, but like, so this is what I tell people. Like I, I, I got a friend named Tiffany Haddish. Who's blown up she's in every goddamn movie she's all over tv she's got specials she i remember she had a bad set one night in uh miami it was like new year's day she went out boozing the night before because it's new year's eve and she had a bad set the next day the internet exploded they're like she's terrible and she was blah blah whatever right i remember yeah I ate a bag of shit the same night. I had a set that could only be described as a bag of shit on fire inside a dumpster on fire that I pushed into the comedy club and fucking set on fire. That's how (laughs) bad that set was. And you know what? You know who cared? Nobody. Nobody gave a shit. Like, I like the, this balance. I mean, I'm a nerd. So I like the balance and the force of like, yeah, I own a house and I can kind of do whatever I want to do, but nobody, like people don't bother me. And I think it's maybe because I grew up 
in the SOCOM community. You know, my big brothers were Green Berets, the silent, quiet professionals. Do the job, do it well. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. So I grew up in that community with those guys, around those guys. So I'm very much like, yeah, I tell my jokes, I do my job, I get paid an obnoxious amount of money for it. I can go to the grocery store in my pajamas, which I literally did earlier. (laughs) Like I never go to the grocery store. I'm like, man, I should dress up and like put on clothes. Like I put on clothes for you. I was literally in my pajamas. (laughs) I I was wearing my Buffalo Sabres jersey that I just bought myself (laughs) and like Angry Birds pajama pants. Like I, I like that. I mean, so I'm a big nerd. If someone said, hey, you're going to be a recurring character on The Flash, Superman, Legends of Tomorrow, whatever. Okay, boom, let's make it happen. But can I do that? And people don't know who I am, which is impossible. Like, I love the stuff that I love, but I also love the anonymity that is my life. Like, I go back to Buffalo, where I'm from, Buffalo, New York, and my dad will go, hey, I went to the grocery store and like, a bunch of parents of kids you went to high school with were like bugging me for tickets to shows. I'm like, I don't want that shit. <laughs> I, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to go for a run and have people stop me and like, Hey, can I, like, n- I think I've been recognized three times in my entire career. And I was shocked every time. And it was just the other day, somebody recognized me, not even for like, <laughs> wasn't even for like my career. There's a pizza place down the street that makes great New York style pizza <laughs> and uh pizza's part of house band was playing and the guy goes the delivery guy goes oh i know you and i thought he was going to say from tv or stand because you're the guy that likes all of our photos on instagram like, the <laughs> five years and just like like every fucking photo i'm like was it had nothing to do like i'm the creepy dude that like was cyber stalking this pizza place so um yeah i mean i'm shocked when i do get recognized i'm awkward about it because i don't I'm, I like my, you know, I have four cats and 40 guitars and it's like, I just, I like not being known. So if, I mean, if you ask me what the dream was, I'd say, I want to be Johnny Ive. Do you know who Johnny Ive is? I don't, I, I can't say I do. Exactly. <laughs> Johnny Ive designed the iPhone, the iPad, the iMac and 20, 20 other devices he makes literally $10 million a day doing nothing. <laughs> he is a knight of the British empire. Nobody knows who he is outside of like the geek world. Yeah. Let me be Johnny Ive. I'll buy a boat and a car and like, what, like, I don't, I, I don't have that need for recognition. I mean, I feel like I'm a, I'm a standup comic. So I have, I have the desire for, um, I guess, uh, uh, not recognition, but like, I want people to like my jokes, but while I'm on stage, I don't care. People come up to me after the, after a show at the lap actor and they're like, you were good, but I was like, stop. I don't fucking care. Like I, <laughs> Just, you know, I made another 99% of the room laugh. I just got paid. I don't give a fuck what you like. I just, I don't care. Um, and again, my neighbors don't know what I do for a living. They know that I get up, I go for a run every morning at five. 
Occasionally they see me in a uniform. They see me carrying guitars and amps to my car. That's it. They have no idea who I am. And I am fucking cool with it. I'm genuinely okay with the anonymity of, like, you said you, you're surprised when I wrote back. Eh, people don't write to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, like well, the thing is, I don't even get, I don't even get uh, notifications to my phone. <laughs> I, I turn them off. And I just happened to look because I was looking for a message like from an old buddy of mine. And I was like, oh, somebody wrote. I don't, <laughs> just, you don't write to me. I was like, yeah, I'll do your thing I was, if I have the time. But um, yeah, man, I just, I, if I, if I was like this the rest of my life, like this, I make a good living. I have a nice house. I buy guitars at whim. You know, like I got a gym in my backyard. I either eat steak or ramen noodles when I want. It's like I'm I think success for me is to be able to say no to things mm. like mm -hmm. I can say yes to stuff all I want. But for me, being successful means being able to say no to stuff. Like if I don't want to do a thing, I just don't do it. That's just the way it is. Like I'm not in a position where. I have to do everything for my career and, and to pay bills. I know people like that and it sucks. Yeah. And I've been that like early in my comedy career, I would drive two hours to do a 15 minute set and make 25 bucks, but pay $50 in gas. Like, yeah, we've all done that at some point, but like, if I don't want to do a thing, I don't do the thing. It's just, I mean, most of the time I blame my agent. I'm like, Oh, my agent doesn't want me to do that. My agent doesn't know what the fuck I'm doing half the time. <laughs> yeah, my agent doesn't want me to do it. Um, but I I don't know if I have a dream anymore. Um, I mean, I've, I've toured around the world. I've been on TV. I've been in movies. I've had a billboard in Times Square. Like, I've done the things. Were they life-changing? Eh, does it mean anything? Eh, not really. But I've done them but I don't feel the need to do them anymore. Like I've been around the world eight times doing stand-up comedy. I've been around the world three times for the army. Like, okay, I've done the things, you know, I twice a year I'll drive to Winslow, Arizona to stand on a corner like the Eagle song, just cause I want to do it. Like that for me is what I want, like to do the stuff that I want to do and not do the stuff that I don't want to do. That really, that makes a lot of sense. I hear that. I really, I really hear that. I, you know, I, I know you, I know you got to go. So I want to, I want to just get you out of here. And I really appreciate you staying on with me as long as you did that. I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but I want to tell you though, too, uh, with all that that you just said that, you know, you're a hero to a lot of veterans, myself included. You know, I look at you now, now that I know you, uh, I know you, I mean, I'm talking to you and I really, I love that, but if I only knew you from just watching you, you'd, you'd be somebody that I, and you are somebody that I look up to and I have a lot, I have a lot of interest in things that you're doing and the fact that you're doing it and advocating for veterans, uh, is, and you've gone and spread the message, you know, and this show to audience is veterans. And I see what they're saying in the chat. And I just want you to know that you're a hero to a lot of people who do know who you are. And I hope that, uh, I hope that you are taking some solace or I hope that that is somehow satisfying you in some way that your message is being heard. 
when you're out there spreading it. At least I'm telling you right now, I found you. I hear your message. The people in the chat hear your message. I appreciate that. I think if I want anything, and uh, I do I do very much credit the Army for my entire life after the age of 18. I was lucky enough to have good leaders. Like my my very first day at my first unit, my lieutenant colonel showed me what a good leader was. Like day one, he showed me what a good leader was. Uh, my NCOs showed me what a good leader was. Um, I didn't leave the army because I wanted to. I left the army because I got shot in the fucking head. Um, and the army literally gave me everything that I, I mean, I stand in front of strangers and I tell dick jokes for a living. <laughs> very much attribute it to the career I had in the army. Uh, so I'm still very much an NCO. I'm still very much a leader of soldiers. And if, you know, I, like I tell people all the time, I don't jump out of planes or kick down doors anymore, but I got a microphone. I literally have a microphone to talk to the world. And my entire career post army has been a, has been the goal of bridging the gap, the very noticeable gap between the civilian and the military community, because we think they are one thing. They think we are the other thing. People look at me on both sides, right, left, conservative, liberal, and they have whatever shitty opinions they have of me based on my history, based on my, my present life. And my comedy and my career is to show everybody, hey, whatever you think I am, you're probably wrong. I will tell you what I am. Like, that's why all of my social media stuff says comedian, veteran, nerd, musician, cat dad like i will tell you what i am don't assume because at one point i put on a uniform and jumped out of planes i am this way don't assume because i live in hollywood and i do what i do for a living i am another way i am who i am just like you are who you are the people listening or watching they are who they are the assumptions about the military and about america and the left and the right and hollywood and the south and the fucking midwest all of that it's bullshit like it's all bullshit we are just people we all laugh at the same shit like statistically 50 percent of the people in your chat think differently than the other 50 percent of the people and they probably all laughed at the same shit that i said yep we're we all laugh at the same thing that's what my career is like showing people, look, whatever you think about these people, you're probably wrong until you, the problem is there are 8 billion people on the planet. So yeah, we want to put everybody in a box. We want to put military people in a box. We want to put veterans in a box. We want to put black people, white people, Asians, Indians, Muslims, whatever. We want to put them in boxes, but we can't. Because we're we don't all neatly fit into boxes. That's that's but we all do laugh at the same stuff. That's what my career has been like to show people, look, we all laugh at the same shit. A fart joke is a fart joke. Whether well, fart happened in Walmart or Afghanistan, it's a fart. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's you know, uh, as an NCO, that was my job to raise good soldiers, to teach junior enlisted to be good soldiers, good leaders. So I'm trying to do that still in my own weird dick jokey way. <laughs> I love it. If there's anything I can do to help along the way, let me know. And I'd love to be yeah, involved. Um, 
real quick, what's your you got a favorite superhero? Flash. I have a flash, flash museum. Literally have a flash museum. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> this is this is what happens when uh, my girlfriend leaves me alone with a credit card and access to eBay. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. Favorite favorite superhero. Goku is mine. Okay. Uh, did you say Groku? Goku. Okay, Goku. I was like, Baby Yoda has been around too. <laughs> All right, Tom Tran. Thank you. Hey, I, I hope we can do this again sometime. Uh, I feel like there's so much more to talk about that I would love to chat with you about. So I hope you felt like this was a, a good experience getting on the getting to talk to me a little bit. I it was a great experience for me. Uh, I just pretty much sat here and laughed the whole time. I appreciate it. Uh, hope you guys can check out the show. Uh, happy birthday to me. Uh, laughactory.com, giesofcomedy.com, uh, tomtran.com, spelled T-H-O-M-T-R-A-N, or the other way because I own that website too. <laughs> Why? Because I have money. Because it's <laughs> That's very smart, and that's a great reason. All right, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. I hope you enjoy uh, your evening tonight and have a fantastic, absolutely fantastic birthday tomorrow. I look forward to seeing you at the Laugh Factory performance. On uh, it'll be Friday out here in Okinawa, um, and I'll be I'll be tuning in and the Scuttlebutt Show. Make sure you guys get out there and support Tom Tran and go check out his stuff. Um, and I guess with that, uh, I'll I'll let you, you sign out and continue on with your evening. And I'll talk Thanks. to you soon. Cheers. Hang on, guys. Let me uh, let me get the show back together here. Okay, there I am. Got it. Hey, uh, how awesome was that? Let me close out Zoom here. How great was that? How great was Tom Tran to have him on the show today? What a what a gentleman and a scholar to have him on the on the chat on the show on Zoom. That was fantastic. Uh, it means a lot to me that he would come join me. I thought it was really funny what he said about uh, he's like nobody emails me. Thought that was hilarious. Uh, What's up, everybody? So it's nice to see Earl, Larry, Jacob, Vin in the chat. Jones, the funniest people that you met were in the Army. I agree. Robert, hey, great to have you in here. Um, Justin, everybody, Regal, it's nice to have you guys all in the chat. Uh, Vin, to answer your question, uh, Tom Tran is Vietnamese. Uh, he was a soldier in the Army. He was a, he's a Purple Heart recipient. He's a stand-up comic actor, game character. He's an all-around great guy. Very, very, very funny. Um I didn't have uh, I didn't have anything else planned for today, but we went about an hour. He told me when we started the show today, he's like, I got about 25 minutes. I can do about 25 minutes on the Scuttlebutt show. And I was like, okay, well, we'll I'll figure out what to do after that 25 minutes is up. But look, he and I jumped on about 10 minutes early, so we spent about an hour and five minutes. What a great guy. He put out the t some time for me. Uh, he's an awesome dude all around. Fart jokes are fart jokes everywhere. Truth whether you're in Walmart or Afghanistan. That was, what a, what a great uh, piece of wisdom he left us with there. And his answer about what his dream is really resonated with me. And I saw Jacob, you said it did too. Uh, that was a great, fantastic uh, interview. That was one of my favorite ones I've done in a long time. No offense to anybody else who's been a guest on the show, but talking to Tom, that was just really, really nice. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you have, if you guys, uh, let me ask you this. Um, would you guys want to see more interviews like that on the show? Do you like these kinds of episodes? Let me know in the chat. Did you have a chance to see, uh, that's an army 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Um, 
Did you guys have a chance to see when I did stand-up comedy last year as part of the Armed Services and Arts Partnership? Did you guys have a chance to see my set? Would you guys want to see my stand-up comedy set that I did over Zoom with the uh, the Arts and the Armed Services or the, or the Armed Services Arts Partnership uh, program? If you guys want to see that, I can show you. I have it. I could uh, I could make that dream a reality for you guys. Um, did anybody has anybody out there killed? Tran, Tom Tran in Call of Duty a 10, 10 million times. And uh, do you recognize his face? That was just awesome. Hang on. Let me, let me do something really quick. I'm going to pull out my phone. I'm going to pull out my phone and check what's going on with my subscribers here. Uh, oh, awesome. So I'm getting some good uh, messages here from people on Instagram about the Scuttlebutt show. So by the way, just an update live. There's going to be some cool uh, new guests coming out. Okay. So we're, we're at 997. 997, Vin says two more. Here, here, here's what I'm going to do. If you guys want to stick around for just a minute, let me find it, and I'll play it right now. If you guys want to see it, I'll play it right now in the show. If you guys want to see my stand-up bit, I just got to find the video. Uh, so I got to go into my old hard drive and find it, and we'll watch it. Regal says, I've killed the shit out of Tran. <laughs> That's so funny. That is so funny. Um, let's see. Where is it? Is it this? Uh, that's the, I've got the whole performance, so I just have to find myself, which I did very easily. Okay, hold on. I got it, you guys. I got it. We're going to watch it. All right, hold on. Let me pull it up real quick. We're about to watch it. So let me uh, go over here to... Bear with me while I get this going, but I'll pull it up really quick. It's going to be one moment, and I will have it ready. There we go. Hope you guys... uh, So that's the person who preceded me on the set. This was fun. So if you guys don't know what the Armed Services Arts Partnership is, it's a program. You can look up their website. They do writing, improv... They do comedy, all kinds of creative stuff, uh, poetry. If you guys have any interest in that kind of artistic stuff, drawing, uh, you can go look up the Armed Services Arts Partnership website, asap.asap.org. And they're a nonprofit. They help veterans. And especially now with now being uh, COVID times, they're doing a lot of programs where normally you'd have to be in Washington, D.C. They're doing them out of uh, Zoom now. So you can go do them. Let's see. 998 on uh, subscribers. Let's see. Jacob says, don't tempt me with a good time. Play it, play it. I usually dropped him and teabagged his body. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, okay, so let's do it. I'm going to play it, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So this was just a, really quick. I, I, I'm teasing it probably a little bit too hard here, but this is the finale show after six weeks of Zoom online courses, three hours a week. I was doing it at like 4.30 in the morning here in Okinawa, and we would get, have to work on our bit, and it culminated in our five-minute Zoom performance. And this is a, uh, we'll watch the last few seconds of the person before me, and then my set from out here in Okinawa. I hope you guys enjoy it. Without further ado, let's do this. Their car. <laughs> <laughs> That's my time. Thanks, everybody. All right. Naomi. Oh, Naomi. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, when's your husband gonna start uh, uh, COVID? COVID stress buying uh, porcelain garden gnomes for the yard. That's what I want. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> All right. Oh boy, this has been a blast. We got we got some more comics coming up. This next one. This he's he's a blast. He's a he's a Navy veteran, and he's come, folks. He's coming at you all the way from from the Ryukyu Islands, from Okinawa, Japan, the land of the taco rice. Give it up for Max Bloom. Take it away, Max. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. Yep, it's true. I'm out here in Okinawa, so it's early in the morning here. So this is sake. <laughs> so, uh, so I met my wife on Tinder and people are always saying to me, Max, I can't believe you met a doctor on Tinder. And I tell them, you know what? It's actually really simple. You go into your account, you set your radius to one mile and you park in a hospital parking lot. You're either going to find somebody with a really good job or nothing to lose. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and here's how you tell which is which you look at the pictures and you're either looking for a graduation gown or a hospital gown. That's how you know. <laughs> now my wife is also, my wife's Chinese and she immigrated to America when she was six and a half years old. She worked really hard to get into med school, worked really hard to get into residency and she finishes a five year residency and she becomes a full fledged orthopedic surgeon. And fellas, that's the other secret. You wanna get them when they're very, very busy, okay? They don't have time to notice the real you. <laughs> so, <laughs> my it's true. My wife's also in the Navy, and so last year she got orders to move to Japan, and we were still dating at that time, and, and we knew we had to get married because of VAH, uh, housing around. <laughs> and, 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 you know, for me, it's that, it's that healthcare, you know, you're looking at a real-life triceratops right here, fellas, okay? Dreams do come true. So, <laughs> So we're down at the courthouse and the clerk asks my wife if she'll be taking my name. And, and so, you know, it's not traditional for Chinese women to take their husband's names when they get married. So she said, no. And the clerk said, okay, moving on. And I said, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> and she said, yes, sir. I said, can I change my name? And she said, you want your name to be Max Wu? And I said, no, I was thinking Max Bloomstein Goldmeyer Schwartz. <laughs> because I thought if I made my name a little more in line with my Jewish heritage, it would impress my in-laws. You know, I could be like, Congratulations on becoming a law firm. <laughs> so for the wedding, you know, I, I had one job and it was to get the rings. So I go on Amazon and remember I'm marrying a doctor. So I'm on prime and, and I'm browsing. I've never bought a woman a ring before. Okay. I've never bought myself a ring before. I'm not Chris angel. And so there's no, there's no briefing on this, no talk beforehand. So I'm browsing. I had to pick a color. I went with something feminine, I got turquoise. And then it asks for a size and I played it safe. You know, I went with a 13 and look, you guys can't see this right now, but the look on the women's face is just, their jaws just dropped, okay? So fellas, if you don't know what a size 13 ring is, basically if you could picture a hula hoop, that's a size 13 ring. So we get to that part in the ceremony where the officiator says, with this ring, I be wet. And I said, with this ring, from Prime, by the way. And I slip it on and it goes past the finger, over the knuckles, up over the head. And with that belt, we became husband and wife. <laughs> now, I never had a close relationship with my parents growing up. So one thing that's been really great about marrying my wife has been my in-laws. You see, they're, they're very traditionally Chinese, like I said. So they've been disappointed in me since day one, okay? Her, her, father, her father sits me down and says, so Max, what do you plan on doing with your life? And I said, well, I plan on pursuing my dreams. You know, like I've always wanted, he cuts me off. He says, pursuing your dreams, not so good. You will be a computer scientist. I said, well, I don't really know a lot about that. And uh, it's not really what I want to do. 
He says, that's not a good start. I was like, yeah, I guess. And he said, well, do you, do, you, do you at least play piano or violin? And at that point, I just sort of looked at the floor. And I was like, oh, look, my socks don't match. So then he starts speaking a bunch of Chinese to my wife, a little bit of English, a bunch of Chinese to my wife, which I know means he's saying something really bad. And then uh, it's kind of like an old Kung Fu movie where the main character gives a really long monologue. And then at the end, the subtitle's like, perhaps. <laughs> so being, being eager to impress them at this point, I told them, well, you know, I, I did, I did want to be a voice actor at one point. Maybe I could go back to that, you know? But growing up, I had a speech impediment, which made it difficult. I had a hard time saying the letter K. Yeah, I would try to say the letter K. It would either come out as the letter T or I would omit it from the word altogether. So people would say, Max, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. I still do it sometimes, if you know me. But I wasn't going to let that stop me, so I went out for some voice acting jobs. The first one was for a very popular jewelry store, okay? You probably have heard of it. When I went to go read the line, every tiss begins with Tay. And I, I said, darn it. Darn it. There's no way I'm going to get the job. I didn't let it discourage me. I went out for another job. This one was for a very popular cat food brand for all the cat lovers out there. And I read the line, fancy feast, food your titties will love. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I've been Max Bloom. Thank you very much. Back to Jacob and the gang. Thank you. All right. So that was my, that was my set, my, uh, my stand-up comedy set that I uh, practiced for six weeks. Sorry, I heard the audio was low. Sorry about that. I'm not sure why. Uh, I tried to turn it up at the last second there. I hope you guys caught the gist of it. Um, I did okay. I did okay. I don't know if you guys hear that on the podcast. That's a true story. Not the voiceover part, but the T, the T's or the K's. I couldn't say it. So uh, I put this fucking plant. Look at this plant. I thought like I would church it up a little bit. This is before the studio was all redone. If you go look at old podcast episodes on YouTube, I, I had, this was like always what you would see when I'm interviewing people over, over Zoom. And I had this, I put this plant in the background and like my camera on a tripod, like that was, uh, like that was my, my, my best attempt. That was my best attempt at dressing up my room to be ready for my big Zoom performance on uh, on the Armed Services Arts Partnership. So I appreciate all the instructors out there. That program was fantastic. I love those guys. It was a lot of fun. I made some new friends. I hope one day I get to meet them in real life. Uh, if you guys have any interest in anything like that, or if your spouses do, because they have spouses, uh, they let spouses in also, if they have any interest in any of that kind of creative stuff, I recommend ASAP, ASAP.org. I also, if you had just tuned in during that and you saw that the title of this video was Tom Tran live, and then you saw me reacting to me, I apologize. I gotta, I gotta apologize for that. Uh, let's see. Is that a hospital side bed? Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, it was like I was in, it looked like I was in a hospital. That's like the, that is the desk I'm sitting at right now. Same desk, just different lighting in here, different camera, obviously. And this is uh, the same room just from a different perspective. And it's all different. Vin asks, Max, what, thank you for everyone who said they liked it. Earl, Jacob, Rob, uh, I appreciate it. It was always doing standups, very nerve wracking, especially when you don't have an audience to talk to, um, to gauge a reaction. I had no idea how I was doing. Vin says, Max, what was your rank when you got out? I was a chief select. So when I got out of the Navy, I was a chief select. There was about a week until pinning, and, uh, and I, had, I was on terminal leave and found out I got picked up for chief, and I got out as a select. Uh, I've told this story many times on the show, so I don't want to get into the whole thing, but they gave me the opportunity to stay in and extend for like a week or whatever. I didn't feel like that was the ethical thing to do, so I actually got out as a chief select. That was my, uh, I'm probably the only motherfucker in the Navy who, uh, 
who ever actually got out as a chief select. It was a bold move, bold move, Cotton. See how it works out for him. And uh, now I'm living as a as a man dependent, a male dependent out here in Okinawa. Hang on, I'm gonna check the subs real quick. I'm about to get a thousand subscribers right now. Nine ninety eight. Now you know what we're getting a thousand right now. What can I do? Help me get a thousand subscribers right now. Let's make it happen on the show right now. How can I make this happen? What can we do? Let me uh, let me go back to um. I'm going to push the channel right now. I'm going to plug the channel right now. We're going to make this happen while I'm sitting here. Because you know what I've got? I've got a freaking video. I've got a video on my screen right now that says 1,000 subs. And it's going to play when I hit 1,000 subscribers. And when when that video, when, when we hit the 1,000 subs, that video is going to go. But I don't want to do it tomorrow when I've like hit the, I wanted to hit 1,000 live. I wanted to hit 1,000 live. I'm a dependo. Thank you, Jacob. I'm a dependo, a male dependent. It's the rarest of breeds. So I'm posting this video. Let's do it right now. Let's get 1,000 subs right now. This is happening right now. Share this video. I feel bad. I'm still posting Tom's thumbnail. People are going to take your shirt off. I'm going to lose subs. We're getting a thousand. We had a chief who looked kind of like you that came to my ship and was telling his motivational story and his wife was a doctor also. Really? That's interesting. Who was this guy? Who was this guy copying my style over here? Let's, uh, let's see. How can I, where can I even advertise this? Who am I, who can I text? We're going to go on, I'm about to go on Instagram live. And we're going on Instagram live here. Turn off my Wi-Fi so I'm not clogging up my bandwidth over here. Make this happen right now. I don't even... I'm sorry if this is not entertaining anymore. I'm sorry if I'm not doing a good job hosting the show, but we're getting a thousand subs right now. This is going to happen. So let me see. What can I do? How can I, how do you go live on Instagram? All right, we're going live on Instagram. We're live on YouTube and we got to get two subscribers. All right, we're live on Instagram. All right, so I'm live on YouTube. We're live on Instagram. We got to get two subscribers to to hit 1,000 subscribers on this live stream. We just finished a great interview with Tom Tran. I need literally two people to go onto the link in my bio on Instagram here, share the video, wherever you're at, share the video, and get people to come in here. We need two subs for 1,000. We're trying to do it on this live stream. How can I get two subs during this live stream to get to 1,000? That is the goal. And then I'm gonna celebrate. We have a celebration video, because I thought it might happen. I thought it might happen here. But we've got a celebration video planned, and we're going to play the video when we get the 1,000. So we're at 998 right now. 998. How do we go from 998 to 1,000? Just subbed. Mendez just subbed. Thank you. Wait, what's up? What's up? Refresh. Nine, I'm still showing 998. Is somebody seeing 1,000? Group... group uh, Chanting, feed the dog, feed the dog. My YouTube is showing 1K. You have 1K? Hang on, I have to, I have to see it. I have to see 1K. It's like, it, I, ha, I have to see it on my end. I'm refreshing. 1,003! Let's go! Just got five, it just happened, hang on. It's, this is happening, this is happening right now, hang on. 1,000. Let's go. Live on the show. Live on Instagram. 1,000 subscribers. God bless America. We got 
Yes, if you're on YouTube right now, we just hit that 1,000 here. If you're watching on Instagram, here's the uh, video that we're watching. Fireworks and confetti going off. 1,000 subs. 1,003. You guys made it happen. You guys made it happen. 1,003. We did it this week. That was the dream. One, man, what a year. What a year it's been. You know, now that we just hit this 1,000 mark, last year this time, I was uh, not even sure if the Scuttlebutt show was going to be a thing. We were about to cancel. The show was about to be canceled. A year ago this time, the Scuttlebutt show was on permanent hold. I had just moved out to Japan. When I did, all my stuff got stolen. All my things stolen out of the back of my car for the podcast. Camera gear stolen. Everything. And then, because of fans of the show, because of friends of mine from the show and in real life, saying, you got to get it going again. You got to keep it going. We, uh... We started it back up. We placed the order. We, we replaced all the stolen gear. I made the investment. I said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get the Scuttlebutt show going again. We're going to get the Scuttlebutt show going again. And it's been less than a year, and we just hit that 1,000 subs and over 250 videos. Let's go. If you're on Instagram, if you're on Instagram right now, here's what you're seeing. How can I make this? I want to make sure that the people are seeing my screen over here. We just hit the 1,003. If I refresh it again, did we get any more? 1,003. That four-digit number. That's what I've been looking to see. That was the goal, to get it soon, and you guys made it happen. All right, I'm going to sign off of Instagram Live. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Sign off Instagram Live. Oh, man, that's amazing. That's amazing. I'm going to have to figure out how to get this thing out to Instagram TV. You guys rock. Thank you for the comments. Let's go. Everyone supporting 1,000. You guys made it happen. Congrats. Thank you, Regal. Saluting the TV. Hell yeah. Um, I'm spamming spamming you and Donnie Chat. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much. We did it on this live stream. I I couldn't sign off at 998 subs. That's not how we roll on the Scuttlebutt show. All right, guys. Thank you for sticking around. Oh, man, I appreciate it so much. That means so much to me. It's thanks to you guys to make this happen, to motivate me to do this show every day and bring you guys hopefully good content, good meaningful content that makes uh, some part of your day or week a little bit better. We're going to have more guests coming up soon. I've got more guests lined up. We've got it all. It's all going on right now. It's all happening. It's all happening. So, and it's all thanks to you guys. Robert, thank you. Say you deserve it. I helped you get the other two. Thank you, Vin. I appreciate your support and everybody's support in the channel. Rob, we got to get you back on the show when you're back settled into wherever you're going back to or out to right now. We'll have you back on the show. I can't wait to hear what's going on with you. You guys rock. I'm so excited for 2021. This is going to be the year. You guys are awesome. Thank you to everybody who's a patron. Uh, Like I said, all the links in the description down below to figure out all the different ways to support the channel. But you guys just being here and watching is the greatest support that I can ask for. Love you guys. Love the Scuttlebutt Show audience. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And Tom Tran, shout out to Tom. I, I, I got to give some credit to Tom Tran. He was, the, uh, he was the thumbnail that got everyone into the video today. So <laughs> thank you to Tom and everyone who feels totally misled by that. I apologize to you. But hey, we made it happen. So all right, guys. It's 12.15 out here in Okinawa, Japan. I got to get going on my day and take care of my dog and everything like that. We hit 1,000 today. Today, February 17th, 16th, back in the United States, hit 1,000 subs, and you guys were here to see it with me. I appreciate it so much. I look forward to talking to you guys soon. 
and I will talk to you tomorrow. I'm out for now.